0: Bibles with me, please, to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Before I read and before we go into our message, I want to pray, and I want to pray for our brother Scott. Because of the format that this is, I don't want to say too much about um, his situation and I don't know everything about his situation Uh, but I think most of you probably got in through someone in your family I I tried to make sure I at least included at least one person in every household in our church in the message I sent out last night so you kind of know a little bit about Scott's situation so uh, but we're praying for our dear brother Scott If you're not aware of who Scott is, Scott is the very joyous brother in Christ who comes in every Sunday with uh, John and Linda Valisi. And, uh, um, well, I think that should probably pretty much explain who he is. I think most of you know who he is anyway. But let's bow before the Lord, and I want to pray for Scott. Dear Father in heaven, Most holy Lord God, you have power over everything and you know everything. It's really as simple as that. What is your will, dear Lord? We know that all of the things that you do and even all the things you permit are right and correct. You are sovereign, you are holy, you are perfect. I thank you, Lord God, that our brother Scott has faith in you. And we see the fruit of that in the joyousness of his worship and the enthusiasm that he has about the body of Christ and about the word of God. And all we can say is thank you, Lord. Hallelujah to your holy name. He's in a spot where he really needs a touch from you. I know you're with him and I thank you for that. Hallelujah. And I pray, Lord God, that if it is your will, that you would touch him and heal him. Like we just sang, you are the healer. And I pray, Lord God, that you would be with and strengthen and encourage our brother Scott and heal him if it would be your will. We know you can, and we know your plans are perfect, and we know whatever your will is, you've already got it all worked out, and your name will be glorified and honored and we rejoice. Thank you, Lord. We entrust the matter now to your hands. Lord, as we look into your word together, I pray, Lord God, that you would lead me as I speak and help all of us who hear to have a strengthened faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And if anyone's listening who's never been born again, I pray that through the hearing of your word, they would come to faith in Christ and that you would make that happen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before I read, just a couple of announcements. Obviously, the Palm Sunday dinner tonight is not happening. Sad about that, but it's the right thing. It needs to be this way. And uh, we have coming up this week maybe kind of a unique opportunity to observe this week uh, in a way that's a little different. Typically, I would cancel Thursday night Bible study and uh, and we would have a Good Friday service and then we would have our, our Easter morning or Resurrection Sunday morning service on Sunday. And uh, what we're going to do this week is I'm not going to cancel Thursday night. We're going to have the Lord's Supper on Thursday night because... If you kind of follow through the traditional understanding of that week, that's how it would have been the night before Jesus was crucified uh, was when he broke bread with his disciples. So instead of having the Bible study on Thursday night, we're going to have the Lord's Supper on Thursday night. And we're going to, I know it's not perfect, and I know it's not exactly the way we want to do that, but I think the Lord's Supper is something that's very important It won't be done, obviously, in the same form together, but I don't think it's something that we should neglect. And here's a chance to kind of maybe fit it into the the chronology of events of Christ's suffering that, you know, maybe will maybe somehow bring it to life in a new way. But but, uh, that'll be Thursday night at 7 o'clock, and some more instructions on how we're going to do that will follow. So watch your email or Facebook or whatever. Then Friday night, we will have the Good Friday service. Um, I'll probably conduct that from my office. And then, of course, next Sunday morning, we'll have our Easter service at 10 o'clock, okay? So more instructions will follow. All right, God bless you. Now we're in the Word of God, and we are at Matthew chapter 21. And when we were studying through the Gospel of Matthew, right up to the time where this form of having church started, we had gotten right up to this point and stopped. And I wanted to stop, just take a little pause from Matthew so that we could, on Palm Sunday, read this passage. So even though we're not together, here we are. Matthew chapter 21. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Bethany was also nearby, by the way, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees, and spread them on the road, thus the moniker Palm Sunday. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Each one of the four Gospels records this glorious and magnificent and very important event. And each one adds a little slight detail that's different. And I want to look at a couple of those in a minute. Um, But this is a very important event because, as I mentioned before, the reason why this is so special and stands out is certainly not the first time Jesus came to Jerusalem, but uh, it stands out because he was coming for the final time before he would fulfill the Father's purpose for him, which was to lay down his life for our sins when he died on the cross and then rose from the dead. Now, here we come arriving at that moment. And the first thing you see As we go through this passage that makes this such a powerful and marvelous thing is this. It says they drew near to Jerusalem and then they stopped. They stopped near Bethphage. They stopped near the Mount of Olives. And Jesus kind of stopped the train, if you will, and gave them an instruction. And this instruction is very powerful. He told them to go into the village opposite them And immediately they would find a donkey tied and a colt with her. And he said, loose them and bring them to me. And he says, in fact, if anyone says anything to you, just say to them what? The Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. And it happened just that way. Now, why did Jesus stop to do this? We're told in verse 4, and Matthew's gospel, especially of the four gospels, is very deliberate about pointing out to us fulfillments of prophecy. And this is a very powerful one. It says in verse four, all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. And we know the prophet is Zechariah. We have the benefit of having our Bibles here. If you turned back, I'm not going to do that now, but if you turned back just a few pages from Matthew, Zechariah is very near the end of the Old Testament. And here in our church, we actually did a study of Zechariah not too, too long ago. But uh, it's Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 that is being fulfilled in this. And Matthew, Matthew kind of interrupts the narrative to put in there to make sure his reader understands that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, lots of things, obviously, that happened when Christ was here were fulfillments of of prophecy, critical, very important things. Many things, right? This one is particularly important because the actions that Jesus took would indicate that he was very deliberately and intentionally and purposely making the statement by fulfilling this prophecy. It's not possible that this is just and incidental fulfillment of prophecy that should make us go, "Wow, how did the Lord know that was hap- was going to happen? No, Jesus, without question, was aware of this prophecy. So when he stops and says, "Go get this donkey, he knew that the the, the, the learned Jerusalem audience, the people that would see this, the the people that knew from their synagogues, these scriptures, the people who had messianic hopes and expectations, they knew that this reference to the king coming to them was a reference to the Messiah. So when Jesus says, go into the town, get the donkey and the colt, if they say anything, just tell them, I have need of them. Uh, Jesus is being very deliberate here about doing something that was a little different from how he had functioned in those 3 years that he was really in public ministry you remember reading through the scriptures and you see that there are many times where jesus would heal someone or perform some miracle and he would say now don't tell anyone you know just go and one time he said go and offer the sacrifice that you're supposed to offer just and of course the people would go and they would make it all widely known and everything but here's jesus now there's no more don't tell anyone This is a powerful, deliberate announcement right from Jesus himself. I am the Messiah and they get it. When Jesus goes and gets this donkey, hey, guys, stop here for a minute. Go get this donkey and then rides into Jerusalem like this. He knows that this audience will recognize he's making the statement that he is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the chosen one of God, the anointed one of God, the one that God, all the way from the beginning, had known and decided and purposed and brought it about who would come and save his people. Maybe they didn't fully understand it, but saving his people meant more than just redeeming Israel from their oppression. It meant saving people of every tribe, and every tongue who would humble themselves and turn to Him and believe and put their faith in Him. He brought salvation, not just from an evil empire that was oppressing a particular land or a particular nation. He brought salvation from the penalty of our own sin. And Jesus, by stopping and making this amazing gesture, if you will, of getting on that donkey and riding into Jerusalem was announcing to all of the people and then recorded in every one of the four Gospels, announcing to everyone all the centuries later who would read any one or all four of those books, I am your Messiah. That's what's so powerful about Palm Sunday. Here comes Jesus announcing to the world, Your salvation is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that the Lord has opened our eyes to it. Now, as I mentioned, there's just a few other points as you go through this that I want you to see. As we turn to a couple of the other accounts of this, the scripture goes on to tell us that the disciples did what Jesus commanded. Says they brought the donkey and the colt they laid their clothes on them, set him on them, right? And then this very great multitude gathers, and they're spreading their clothes on the road. What a scene. They're, they're cutting down branches from the trees, and they're spreading them on the road, and there's this great like victory celebration that's going on. Then the multitudes, they go out, They went before and those who followed began to cry out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as this great cry, this great cry, I mean, look at these words. Hosanna what? To the son of David. The fact that the people are actually crying out son of David is a very clear indication that they got it. Son of David was what everyone expected, the Messiah, when he came, the future king who would redeem Israel. They knew that's what he would be. So when they're crying out, save us, son of David, they are recognizing Jesus' announcement by riding on the donkey into Jerusalem that he is the Messiah. So this is a very powerful moment. Now, Not everyone was happy with it. Verse 10 tells us when he came into the city that the whole city was moved, saying, who is this? And probably the majority, at least at this moment, were quite favorably impressed by all of this, but not so with everyone. Turn over to the account of this that is recorded in the Gospel of John. That's John chapter 12. And let me pick up one more little detail here for you. No, I'm sorry. We'll come to that in a minute. Go to Luke chapter 19. Let's do Luke first. I could really do either one, but let's do Luke chapter 19 and verse 39. Now, in Luke 19:39, we are told that some of the Pharisees who were standing there, when they saw all of this and heard all this, they called to him from the crowd and said, "Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, that is a glorious and wonderful thing. How are you going to tell a people who have been oppressed that when their deliverance has arrived to be quiet? I want to make that personal for us. In a time like we're going through right now, there might be, and you've heard me say this several times already in recent weeks, there might be an inclination to just kind of recoil, maybe in a little fear, maybe just wanting to just kind of stay as secluded as you can and ride it all out. Now, look, you need to be very careful indeed about the mandates that the civil authority has given us to be socially distant and stay at home and, and everything else. You need to be careful if you do have to travel out for some essential purpose to keep your distance from people and wash your hands like crazy, you know? So you do need to do all that. But listen, don't let this circumstance that we're in silence you. Just like the Pharisees are there, Jesus You hear what they're saying? Make them shut up. How can you possibly let them cry out for you like this? And Jesus is like, look, if I told them to be quiet, the rocks would start crying out. Look, that's kind of what should be burning in us when it comes to announcing to the world the beauty and the majesty and the glory and the salvation and the gospel, the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't let anything in this life silence you don't let men silence you don't let circumstances silence you use whatever recourse use use whatever resources you have to continue to announce to people that god is good God is merciful, his mercy endures forever. God is gracious, God is full of love, and that God also announced to them that God is holy and God righteously judges sin, but that there is a way of salvation and that that way of salvation is through Jesus who died for us and rose from the dead. Don't let anything keep you silent. Don't be afraid. The spirit of the Lord is not a spirit of fear but of power, power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Listen, stay close to the Lord. Read and meditate on his word. Be in prayer. Encourage each other in spiritual things. Stay strong in his spirit, and let the power of his spirit drive the fear away. And stay confident and bold in the Lord, even in the midst of everything that we have going on. Amen? I can hear you saying amen. Well, no, not literally, but praise the Lord. Hallelujah for all of that. Now, just one more little comment about Luke's account of this. Luke also picks up in verse 41. As he drew near the city, he saw the city and he wept over it. And he said, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. So even as Jesus is coming into the city, he's weeping over the city because even though they are rejoicing at his arrival, they are recognizing the sign of coming in on the donkey that he is the Messiah, he knows they really still don't get it. And part of that, I think, was even part of the plan because the plan of Jesus was not to come in and to be crowned king at that time. God's plan was for him to come in and to be rejected and to suffer. And he was going to fulfill that plan to bring salvation to everyone, right? But nevertheless, you just see in Jesus that just very real reaction to the overwhelming thought that he was coming into Jerusalem surrounded by accolades and cheers knowing that many standing in that very crowd that day, perhaps, would, less than a week later, be shouting, what? Crucify. Crucify. Nevertheless, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he pray? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Listen. Jesus came. He was sad over the thought that the people really didn't get it, but do you know what? He accomplished his mission, and now salvation is there. It was there for them. It's been there for every generation who has lived since. It is there for us. It is there for you because of what he accomplished in dying for our sins and rising from the dead. Turn over to John chapter 12 now. John chapter 12 and verse 17. This is another facet of this story that that really only John picks up because John was the one of the, John was the gospel writer who gave to us the, the immediately preceding great event, which was that Jesus went in Bethany, which was very close to Jerusalem, had raised Lazarus from the dead. And that actually had an influence on this event as well. You start reading in verse 12, you see that the the same event is is recounted. Even the same quotation of Zechariah is there. Uh, Then in verse 17, it says, therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. And then that just drove the Pharisees even more crazy. Therefore, the Pharisees, they said among themselves, you see that you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Praise the Lord. That's what we want right now, isn't it? We would love for the whole world in the midst of this trial that it's going through right now to be humble before the Lord and turn to the Lord. Oh, we should be praying that people would go after him like the Pharisees recognized. There were people going after him and nothing could stop it. Listen, when God starts saving people, man, nobody can stop him. He's sovereign He's powerful. We should be praying for people in this time that God would open their eyes. We should be praying for the leaders of the land. We should be praying for our loved ones and our friends and our coworkers, and we should be reaching out. Use your social media. Use your phone. Use your text messaging. Use whatever you've got. Reach out. Encourage people to turn to this Jesus. Man, when he came in, the Pharisees recognized the whole world's going after him. Hallelujah. Amen. Let it be so, Lord God. I know I'm kind of jumping around in the scripture here, but I just have one last little detail here that I think is very powerful. Go back to Matthew chapter one, uh, chapter 21. Matthew 21. I want to point out one more thing to you about this great event. And I hope that uh, this will really open your eyes to the glory of our Lord. This word in Matthew chapter 21 in verse 9 where it says, he said, Hosanna, and we described what that meant. It's a cry for salvation. And he said, Hosanna to the son of David, and we described what that meant. It was a a recognition of his claim to be the Messiah, the coming king who would be a descendant of David. But then there's this, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then back to Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord is a quotation from one of their psalms. It's from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're cheering and they're rejoicing. Now, in the Bible study this past Thursday night, we read from 1 Peter chapter 2, and Peter made a, a quotation from the same psalm that Jesus did and I pointed out then that this appeared in this chapter, and now I want to read it again to you. Turn ahead. I want to show you something in verse 42 of this chapter. Look ahead. Jesus teaches this parable. Well, you know, let's read the parable. We've got some time. I'm not going anywhere. You're not either. Let's read the parable, starting in verse 33. Just read it. Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants. More than the first, and they did likewise to them. Now look at this. And last of all, he sent his son, right? And you can see how brilliantly this parable is, is, is showing what's happening right in front of their eyes. Last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They'll respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will, the, what will he do to those vine dressers? They got it. They said, he'll destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits of their seasons Jesus is teaching the parable to show how he was going to be rejected and then look what he does in verse 42 Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone this was the lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes Therefore I say to you the kingdom of god will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And I don't have time this morning to to unpack all of that, but the main thing I want to point out was when Jesus walked into the city, they were crying out from the psalm, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You turn around a very short time after that, and here is Jesus turning right around and quoting back The very same psalm which showed what? This is also Psalm 118. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and and it is marvelous in our eyes. When Jesus came into Jerusalem that last time, they're crying out in triumph from Psalm 118. But Jesus has to turn around and from the same Psalm 118 say to them, I know you're going to reject me. But it's a marvelous thing because it's God's doing. And those who reject him were going to be themselves rejected, but God was going to give the promises to a new set of people. What is that new set of people that God would give this to? Listen, Jews, Gentiles, people of every nation of the earth who would believe this good news and receive Jesus. That's what he says. Whoever falls on this stone will be broken. That is to say, the person who comes to Christ and, as it were, falls in humility and repentance and faith before him, they themselves will be be broken. That is, they will be changed, completely changed from who they were into something entirely new, Peter went on in his letter to describe that he takes us, those rejected stones, and makes us a part of this great building. But he says, on whom, whoever it falls, these are the people that reject him, it will grind them to powder. Who is this people? We call it the church. The church. Jesus was coming to redeem all of his elect. He was coming to redeem all from every nation. He was coming to redeem those to whom God spoke to Abraham about when he said, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. Listen, that has that has some ramifications to Israel. And God is not done using national Israel. There's so much in prophecy that still has to be fulfilled concerning them. But let's not forget that when Jesus came to save, He didn't come just to save Israel. He came to save people of every nation, every tribe who would turn to Him. So they're cheering Him as He comes into the city. But He recognizes that He would be rejected by them. And all of it fulfilled prophecy. But all of it was for their good and for mine and for yours. That the door of salvation was swung open. Friend, listening to me today, have you received God's salvation? Do you understand what Palm Sunday was about? It was the coming of Jesus, not just so people could celebrate by waving branches in the air. It was the coming of Jesus to be rejected by men that he might go to the cross and suffer and die for our sins and rise from the dead. God, by his sovereign grace, orchestrated it and made it happen. And if you're listening to this now and you recognize you need God's salvation Listen, His grace is there for you. If you're you're like burning in your mind and your heart right now and you know you need this forgiveness of sins and God's deliverance and God's eternal salvation, humble yourself. Believe. Believe this great news that He loves you so much that by His grace, He brings salvation. He gave his son. His son died for your sins. His son rose from the dead. Put your faith in Jesus and be washed and cleansed. Be sealed with his spirit and have now adoption by God as his child. Become a joint heir of all the promises with Christ and have a future of everlasting life awaiting for you. You even can become his servant now. And announce this great news to other people. Come to Christ. Jesus came for us. Now you come to Him. He says if you come to Him in faith, He'll give you rest. Rest from the travail of knowing that we can't justify ourselves before Him. Rest Rest knowing that our eternal fate, no matter what this life may bring, is secure in His gracious and worthy hands. Jesus came on Palm Sunday to bring, for His last trip into Jerusalem, to bring the fulfillment of God's plan to redeem us. I hope you're in on it. By faith is the only way. Brother Phil, come on back up here and we're going to close with a song.